Hello peeps, we are Poldark Fancast, formerly known as Poldark Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of the Poldark saga in all its various shapes and forms. And we are your hosts, I am Delanda, I live in France, I Tumblr at Britishly So and tweet at Delanda Dia. My name is Rita, I live in England, I Tumblr at Princess of Poldark and I tweet at Rita Bites. And I am Michelle, I live in the States. You can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. Okay, it's once again time for Poldark Season 4 2.0. This week we will be covering PBS's versions of Episode 5 and 6, so let's begin with the refresher on Episode 5, shall we? This episode saw Ross wandering around the Serpentine with his two best buds, Falmouth and Bassett. Separately, of course. They were talking politics but Ross made a mad dash back home to gather up support for his scheme and have some one-on-one time with Demelza. <laughs> Elsewhere, Caroline hosted party after party in the hopes of easing the pain of Sarah's loss. Drake finally moved past the mopes and got engaged. How very Pete and Ariana of him. <laughs> Ozzy made his quote-unquote move on Morwenna, 86ing his relationship with Ruella before he was promptly 86ed his own damn self the night before Drake's wedding. Drake then, of course, jilts Rosina. Boo. He then runs off to Moena's. <sighs> God. Timing, for fuck's sake, man. Timing. She sends him off packing, demanding that he never see her again. <sighs> I mean, if only. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that ain't happening. So, back when the show aired in the UK, Michelle and I gave it three tricorns and Rita gave it a 2.5, and I coined the, the term Drake. Ah, uh, what a time we've had. <laughs> the Dawson Creek crying scene. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that was flawless. That was perfect. But anyway, so have your thoughts about it changed with the rewatch, Michelle? You know, after all of that, I'm going to leave it at three. Um, Mainly because of Ozzy Whitworth. <laughs> He's the one that kind of drags it back away from a two or 2.5. Um, just His performance is just fantastic in this episode. Um, and... Um, I should say Christian Brassington's performance is just fantastic in this. Ozzy <laughs> is a pig, but um, uh, Brassington's performance is just brilliant. Um, and, um, you know, and I also think that uh, the term drankst and the podcast that we did uh, for the episode, that kind of drags that thing back up, too, because that was a whole damn bunch of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I'm gonna leave it at three. If you can't enjoy the episode, you can at least enjoy making fun of Drake. Oh, that never gets old. (laughs) Never. Oh, and BTWs, um, we do have someone who has joined the uh, fan cast, uh, fan club that is an admitted Drake Marwenna fan. How are we attracting such people? <laughs> Do they not want to strangle us at every episode? Especially me. I'm, I put my hands up. I would think so. I would think so. I mean, you know, damn. We, we, are, not, we are not subtle when it comes to the, the, the Drake shenanigans. So um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, at Beth Hubler, 
uh, on Twitter for <laughs> having having the <laughs> cojones for admitting her love of of this this pairing. So Mad props. well done, well <laughs> done. Gotta 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 give you your props. Uh, seriously, thanks thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope that we hope that that you at least somebody's enjoying it. That one single person <laughs> is enjoying it. Exactly. So it is time for this week's Viking River Cruises, Darlene Shiley Butcher Block. Now sponsored by Farmers Insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. So, uh, for episode 4.05, uh, some of the scenes that, or all of the scenes that were cut, and the first one had me OMGing at the screen. Um, the dinner scene at George and Elizabeth's, which explains the issue with the fixed grain proposal that everyone's having. I mean, it, it, I remember that this was one of those moments where it was kind of like, oh, all right, this is some useful exposition. Um, and the way that they uh, did it so that, you know, George is basically talking about how how much of uh, a terrible financial impact this would have upon he and Elizabeth while they're dining around this opulent table with Delanda's favorite thing. Food! Gorgeous uh, tablescape with food and and loveliness. And we have people and costumes and it's beautiful and, and all of this stuff. And yeah, we that's gone. Apparently, not important. Yeah, who needs exposition? No, don't need it at all. Who need more drinks staring out at the ocean? Bracelet time. <laughs> That, that is one thing that they did keep in, so it, it, at least that was clear. Uh, there were loads more of the micro-cuts. Uh, for example, uh, they cut the exterior shot of Ross's townhouse, the, the, the first one uh, that they had. We had several that, that stayed on the, the program. Uh, some of the scenery from the lake in London, uh, they cut away from the scene following Drake's proposal. Uh, where there were some really sweet glances between he and Rosina, uh, which we often talked about how uh, sometimes we need to, to see these scenes breathe. And that's what it feels like when they cut these, these tail ends of these moments with the customer, or customers, oh my God, uh, <laughs> with, the, with the characters... It it feels like you're being kind of cut off from air um, after you see them. Uh, let's see. Uh, bits and pieces from Caroline's party. Some of the fighting and misery from the poor house. Um, scenes of the Carnes walking along cliffs towards Saul to speak with Rosina's father, etc. So those are kind of the little micro cuts that they make. Uh, they're not long enough to kind of get into detail, but um, they, they do wind up make an, Im an impact. Um, and they also cut a number of the yes vicars <gasps> from the scene where Rowella asks Rosie for, or asks Rosie. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's their pairing name. It's Rosie. <laughs> no. I know, I know. But the, the scene where she asks Ozzy for more money uh, for a robe to go with the new gown. So, uh, yeah, so they cut some of those, which are, you know, awesome. 
They also uh, cut the morning after scene with Ozzy and Marwenna after he's resumed his marital raping. Um, so they, they cut that scene. Um, they also, uh, from the second party that Caroline um, has, uh, where Ross observes Monk Adderley dancing attendance at Caroline's elbow while she's at the roulette table, uh, there is an exchange between Ross and Adderley about gambling one's own money, um, you know, because Monk is basically recommending where Caroline should place her bets and not putting his own down. Uh, that we wind up seeing a little tiny bit later uh, in the, the episode, but, um, you know, we, we miss the, the context setting. Um, they also cut Arthur Selway's second glance into the bedroom window where we see uh, Rowella all but ripping Ozzy's clothes <laughs> off of him. Um, That's great. And, <laughs> and they also cut Rowella carefully ushering Arthur into a seat after he's come home with the bloody candlestick, which... That completely is, changes is, the entire yeah, context it, of that. It does. <laughs> it really, really does. And I remember when we were watching the episode... Uh, you know, we were uh, commenting about how they uh, didn't take the the situation all the way to where it wound up in the books, where uh, Arthur comes home and basically beats the crap out of Rowella uh, to the point that she's unable to go to uh, Ozzy's funeral because of her injuries. Um, and... You know, in this case, it now just looks like Arthur had this uh, crazed moment of jealousy. He's done this deed, and, you know, the, the next scene that we see is um, Rowella kind of patching up his head. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we, get, we don't get the moment of tension where she realizes what he's done and you can almost see her trying to calculate how to go forward at this moment and to try and, and make sure that he is not going to do something to her, which is kind of how the scene makes it feel to me, at least. It's such a small cut, but it ends up just upending the entire characterization of Rowella, this the all the nuance from that particular storyline is gone. Like, congrats, PBS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last thing that they cut was Ross's majestic as fuck gallop away from Nampara as he heads back to Westminster with his proposal. You know, so he gallops away, and then again they cut it doesn't give the scene a chance to breathe. Context is everything, and they seem to be removing all of it. I'm not against um, the cut you mentioned about uh, Ozzy, well, the, the morning after Ozzy resumed uh, the marital raping of uh, Marlena. Mm -hmm. But uh, I agree with uh, Rowella. I remember saying uh, at the time it aired uh, in the UK that... Uh, it's like they gave her more power. The fact that uh, we didn't see her husband beating her up and instead it was um, Osborne. I thought it was 
a great way of giving her more power and with loads of unsaid, but uh, if I, to be honest, if I was to watch the PBS version, I would completely be confused, like even more, without reading the books. But yeah. I think I'm going to give it a chance, just one episode, but uh, I'm not sure which one. But uh, <laughs> the way they are handling it is a little too, 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 too confusing, and it's actually a disservice to um, to the series. Slightly pissed off about like cutting away some of the Caroline moments in the episode because there's not a huge amount of Caroline in the latter half of the season, and by it's sort of like they're cutting out parts of her downward spiral, so to speak. Of because all well, these moments still... with Adley are like kind of important in, in showing you the context of how she's spending her time in London. She's not like sitting around twiddling her thumbs; like she's trying to actively forget and. By cutting all these moments out, what you've got... Like, this is not a storyline. This is a Caroline goes away for a few episodes and then comes back. That's what, yeah. that's basically yeah. how it plays out. And that's stupid. Yeah, and, you know, I would really be interested in hearing from uh, the folks listening out there if, um, especially those individuals who um, are in the States and have been watching the, the PBS version... Uh, if they have the same feelings about about the Caroline storyline, uh, because it's a, you know, this is a this is a really incredibly beautiful uh, storyline that and and story arc that Caroline is going through. I mean, yes, it is it is incredibly sad, but um, it really is a moment where you see her character as a person develop, uh, you know, she, you know, has always had a habit of kind of running away from uh, emotions. And, you know, while we still do get the the scene of she and Ross talking, which I swear to God, if they had cut that one, I was going <laughs> to go oh, no. uh, medieval we riot. on We somebody. season one, two, three, and four riot. <laughs> exactly. Combine all of the riots. Exactly. We would have we would have a, a, a another riot. This would be a season of of two riots. Um, but um, you know, so we do see some of that. But uh, it's it's really unfortunate that the the full context winds up being diminished. I won't say lost, but it's diminished. But I agree also about Caroline because we've always seen her as an adult in this show, but she's always been portrayed as this as this like little girl, little spoiled <laughs> girl <laughs> who always had what she wanted. And this storyline was a way for her to grow up in a way, and uh, it was an incredible, uh, incredibly moving storyline. And uh, we didn't see her enough with Dwight. And uh, we've already said it, that Gabriella Wilde did an amazing job with this material. And um, yeah, we didn't see her flourish as she deserved on American screens. <laughs> but that's your loss. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, get the DVD. Get the DVD. That's all <laughs> I can say is get the DVD. And I am not being paid to say that. <laughs> Oh, it's God. really depressing when you so, actually think about it. All the casualties of episode five have been, are the women. All of the nuance of their storyline has been cut oh, out. Yeah. All the men yeah. are still going yeah. on being rapey and weird. And uh, 
And yet the women <laughs> <Exactly>. are suffering. <sighs> so. Uh, oh, yeah. Move on to my bourbon? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, okay. it's, only, it's only six in the morning. I can't have that right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's move on to episode six. Six. So let us start off with the stupid banking storyline. And please bear <laughs> with me. It's long-winded AF. Nathaniel Pierce finally dies. Basically, everyone finds out he embezzled and lost a shit ton of money. And unfortunately for Pasco, he's his guarantor and now has to pay back all of the people that Pierce screwed over. Now, Pasco has just about enough money in the bank to pay them all back as long as word doesn't get out and cause a panic of people withdrawing their money. But whoops, that's exactly what happens when George and his conniving uncle find out via Aussie and tell every one of Pasco's customers. Demelza hears of this, of course, and comes up with a plan to try and save <laughs> Ross's, like, only friend. She gets a loan from Lord Falmouth, and against his direct instructions, uses it to inject cash in the failing bank. She makes that huge show of it in front of the dudes trying to quickly withdraw their funds. Ultimately, this doesn't fix the problem though because it can't. Pasco's bank is far too small to survive this kind of turbulence. When Ross comes back from London, he pleads with the local gentry to help to bail out Pasco. But everyone understandably is unwilling to sink a whole load of cash into a failed business. Instead, they offer Pasco a position as a clerk slash partner in a new, larger conglomerate bank of Cornwall. And for reasons unbeknownst to anyone with common sense, Ross becomes a partner of that bank. How many times has this dude been bankrupt slash broke? Are we sure this is a good idea? Anyway, other storylines this episode include Rosina forgiving Drake even though he doesn't do anything to deserve it, and Drake moving back in with Sam because his blacksmith shop got burnt down. Caroline returns back yes. to Dwight and they kiss. Jeffrey Charles got so drunk and stupid, Ross had to drive him all the way home to his mother. <sighs> and then Elizabeth and Ross have a gross-ass toast, and I puked everywhere. Also, the charitable infirmary that has been spoken of since episode 2 is finally opened. Halfway through the ceremony, Elizabeth faints dramatically like the attention seeker she is, and we all realise that she is once again preggers. Also pregnant and having to yet again fend off the advances of the world's clingiest blacksmith is Morwenna. God, how many times can one dude get told to fuck off before he gets it? The episode ended with Ross finally letting Demelza go to London after episodes of her asking. So, oh, I know! Yay? Question, I know. question mark? We'll see what happens next week. I know! That's we such know. a great idea. It's Spoiler. just him. No, just him. So back when the episode aired in the UK, Michelle gave it a four star. Were you drunk, Michelle? <laughs> what part of that was fun? <laughs> but... <laughs> Whereas Rita and I gave it two tricorns and I totally got lost in all the banking shenanigans. And although Ramelza and Carolite were reunited, we both felt that we wouldn't be rewatching this episode in a hurry. <laughs> well, you can just welcome me to the Two Tricorn Club on this rewatch, Jane. Uh, <laughs> uh, for the reasons that we will discuss during part two of Butcher Block, 
um, the reunification of Carolite and the lovely Romelza deliciousness that take place throughout the episode was not enough to sway me this time around. Two minutes worth of screen time for Carolite and Romelza and just like I know. 45 minutes of banking. Although, um, you know, there, there were moments, uh, you know, and, and not even thinking about the moment where Ross uh, asks uh, Demelza to join him and then they, uh, you know, go off and then we see the, the, the sheet scene. I, you know, and I think that, that mainly my, my attentions were swayed by the, the sheet scene, which is, uh, by far my absolute favorite section of the book. Um, uh, probably the entire series. Uh, it's probably my favorite scene in the entire series. Um, but, uh, yeah, not this time around. Hashtag Sorry. read the book. Even Horace's cuteness. Yeah, even Horace's cuteness when Caroline walks up and is standing at the end of the path, uh, kind of looking at Dwight, you know, with, you know, her big, gorgeous blue eyes and this look of, of absolute uncertainty um, as to what her, what, what he's going to say. Uh, and what he's going to do after she's been gone for so long. And I think, if I remember correctly, she was gone for like a, almost a year. Yeah, I mean, this was not a little two-week jaunt. She was she was gone, people. Um, and I just love the way, you know, Dwight, you know, looks uh, away from the conversation he was having with the steward and sees her standing there and there's little Horace oh. right at her feet and he's staring up oh. at her adoringly. I mean, I just, uh, God, I love that freaking dog so much. Uh, and he, even his cuteness was not enough to, to make me just go, what the hell were you thinking, Michelle? Two tricorns, not even giving it two and a half, taking that half point away. Mm-mm. <laughs> So we had one anonymous who said, Ross and Elizabeth BFF? No. These little <laughs> visits? No. <laughs> this is the main problem with this adaptation of the books. The writer tried to make Elizabeth more likable, but it doesn't ring true and does not work. <laughs> yes. Book Elizabeth is an antagonist and the counterpoint to Demelza, just like George is the counterpoint to Ross. The characterization of Elizabeth is completely contrived, wooden, and her actions appear at times to be schizophrenic. <laughs> she loves Ross. She loathes Ross. <laughs> oh, we feel you. Who is this oh, Elizabeth? He's, Who he's is this so woman? One week she uh, loves him. The next week she's planning his demise. I know. I know. I, I mean, I will say that I think I understand what they're trying to do here. Um... And they're doing it in a really super ham-fisted way. Um, you know, they're, they're basically showing her to be precisely where she's meant to be. You know, this is, this is the marriage. This is the, the life that she has meant to have since she was born. And she, as she says in that awful little coffee clatch over port... Um, that she is content, that she is content. So, you know, I get what they're trying to do, but 
damn. She's so content. Why is she making goo goo eyes at Ross? Like, uh, I know. It's a contradiction. Like, even within the same scene, like, the show doesn't know what it's doing. Like, maybe it's written one way, but the performers (laughs) are giving it all heart eyes, and uh, it's confusing. Honestly, during this rewatch, I. I came really close to throwing something at the television when she when she gave him that little wave um, when his uh, carriage is taking off. You know, Ross leans out, leans out, and you know looks at her one last time through the the window, and she gives him that little wave. It's kind of like. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, you know the little wave you give the person who impregnated yeah. you and then left you all alone. Yeah. You know that that wave. You know that should do. You know. Oh. So, what scenes did we miss from this one? Well, right out of the gate, we miss Pitt's inquiries about Ross's wife and her whereabouts. Um, you know, when asked if she will join Ross in Cornwall, he says, "How can I?" Who will run Cornwall? Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Manly bullshit, (laughs) chuckle, chuckle. (laughs) Exactly. So, cue the team Demelza folks who've been grinding their teeth into a powder over Ross's continued neglect. Um, So, we also miss Carrie and George toasting to Nat Pierce's death, while the former encourages the latter to resume his old writing career. You know, the one that almost got Ross hung in series two. Uh, we pick up again when George strides around Truro before returning to Trenwith um, to dictate the letter cheerfully to his secretary before Elizabeth interrupts him. Yeah, we do see. Yeah, we do see uh, him dictating the letter, but we miss that little walk through the happy little walk through Truro. While you get the voiceover of him uh, doing the the reading the letter um, as he's cogitating it, so I we, love we that George basically that. turns into Shakespeare whenever he has to write these things about Ross. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh, um, bless him. Oh God, let's see. And uh, now uh, we have that lovely pastoral scene of Demelza picking apples with the children. Um, you know, I was afraid that it had been deleted from the second episode and that I missed capturing it then. <clears throat> but no, they they wound up, uh, it, this was in this episode, and they slashed a chunk of it out of uh, this episode. Uh, probably because, you know, it just t- it takes up airtime. And, you know, who wants to see lovely Cornwall? No one. Everybody wants to see Cornwall. So, uh, yeah. Uh, they, we basically pick it up where Zaki comes uh, to give Demelza news of Nat Pierce's death. And with it, uh, his embezzlement and the danger of the Poldark fortunes. Oh, that lovely bit of explanation so that you actually know what's going on in the plot. Yeah, we yeah we do get that just because, you know, otherwise we would have no idea what the hell was going on i would argue that we still don't really know what's going on <laughs> uh yeah you're 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 probably good and right about that one uh let's see so um the next one is um uh, we go over to the vicarage where lady whitworth bellows for her daughter-in-law who is staring hopelessly out of her bedroom window um 
And the next, uh, let's carve Sam Carn's importance completely out of the story altogether fest continues <laughs> oh. with the scene where, yeah, between he and Rosina uh, discussing uh, what Drake did to her and how she continues to respect the man despite the jilting uh, because he at least told her that he'd loved Morwenna first. Well, that makes it okay then. And that was the scene where, you know, she finishes her thought about that, where she says, I don't respect <laughs> her. <laughs> it's like, damn, girl. Damn. Wait, so without that scene, uh, uh, do we still right. get the scene where she just is nice to him, but without, we don't we have do. the context of why? All oh, right, another woman gets fucked over in the edit. Uh, let's see. Uh, so the slashing of the Pasco Bank storyline picks up speed with much of the explanation behind the bank situation uh, removed, um, leaving uh, only leaving Pasco standing on the steps of his bank to implore his customers from taking out their funds. We then see Demelza, because Demelza is going there to withdraw the money, and we see her walking up onto this crowd of people who are standing in front of the bank and Pasco saying, please don't, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there had been some additional explanation that, that, that wound up setting up that scene that winds up getting cut. Um, let's see. So after Demelza leaves Pasco's, uh, she writes to Falmouth's, remember? And on the original broadcast, uh, Falmouth says he's aware of the issue before Demelza goes into her dilemma. Uh, well, that's good, because in this version, all it shows is her riding up to the mansion and sharing her story with no context. She just basically rides up, you know, rides up to have the exterior of Falmouth's home. And the next scene we see is her sitting at his, his desk saying... You know, we have to pay our, our folks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole chunk of conversation that happens between Demelza and Falmouth before she gets to her ex, her, her reason for being there. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't want Demelza's only storyline to be, like, cut short or anything. No. Yeah, because, you know, this cut includes... Her admission that if Ross were around, he would know what to do and that she doesn't know anything about these matters. And what this does is reinforce Demelza's running of Cornwall, as Ross oh, put it at the start of the episode. Undermine everything about this characterization. <laughs> I'm laughing because I want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. We do still get all of the uh, banking shenanigans that take place, you know, with people oh and sam forgets his line his one line <laughs> yes yes so we do get that so you know he's he's unidimensional and a bit of a buffoon instead of the um multi-dimensional rich character that he could have been um we also miss the second part of the conversation between ross and caroline in the carriage as they're heading home towards cornwall um you know, this is after Jeffrey Charles has, has fallen asleep. He's so drunk. Uh, in the coach. He's always so drunk. <laughs> I, I know, right? And she asks if he ever thinks that he could have made Elizabeth happy. Um, or, or actually, no, she doesn't do that. Um, 
Jeffrey Charles plants this kind of conversational bug in everyone's ear about um, how he wishes that Ross had been his stepfather. It conveniently ignoring the fact that Ross is fucking married. I know, I mean, right? shut up, Jeffrey Charles. <sighs> um, and it's his fucking uncle. That's very incesty. I'm just, uh Right. <laughs> and uh, he thinks that that, you know, his father probably would have preferred if Ross had been his stepfather than George. And Caroline then, in this second conversation, um, asks, do you think that, you know, who do you think Francis would have preferred? Um, and Ross basically says he doesn't think that, you know, he could ever make her happy. She needs ease and comfort, and he needs a wife right. who can dirty her hands. Which is a perfect segue to the scene at the bank. Because we cut from him saying, I need a wife who can dirty her hands, to Demelza walking up to the bank with her bag of money. Uh, let's see, the scene where George is all but preening about what he believes uh, to be Ross's downfall uh, to Dwight. Because he, you know, Carrie comes and tells him, you know, that, you know, Pasco's bank is closed and blah, 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 blah. Um, and he then says, I must go tell her myself. And so he's walking out uh, to go and get into his carriage and he kind of being slick about saying, oh yeah, it's too bad that, you know, all these things are happening. You know, we've got the, the bank situation. We've got the hospital opening. We've got all this stuff going on and the poor member of Turo is unable to be there. I mean, hashtag shade. George is throwing a shit down a day. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's a yeah. cute look. Um, and uh, remember the confrontation between Sam and Jacka Hoblin over Drake's decision to set up the forge in Saul? Yep. Of course. That's gone too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam is a victim of, and this is a, a word of the day, you guys look it up, potentization. <laughs> He's basically been diluted or uh, diluted in alcohol. So you know when you're you're mixing up medications, you've got your your main um, your main substance, and you take one part of that, and then you dilute it the rest of the way with either water or alcohol or, or something. That is potentization, and that is exactly what they're doing with this character. They're taking you know this little tiny droplet from this deep, rich broth that is Sam Karn, and they're plunking it into water and turning it into this just really miserable tasting. Miserable crap. tasting, but still hot to look at. I mean, have you seen him? He's on fire. Absolutely. And I mean, in that, and in that scene, he is getting all up in Jacka's grill. Yeah, you're just like, hmm, Sam, baby. Oh, we missed Ow. so much potential with wrestling, Sam. So yeah, so yeah. <sighs> I know, I know, I know. And then, and then, finally, the last scene that is cut is we miss seeing Bassett after the near brawl at the hospital opening, rereading the anonymous letter Ross brought him from the Well Wisher, which you know basically uh, George all but admitted to being. <laughs> Yeah, during his <laughs> his um, blathering at 
the um, the brawl or near brawl, um, and we see Bassett writing something after that. Um, so we miss that, but um, apparently we so we basically miss his decision to take Ross up on his suggestion <laughs> to bail out the bank and you know which he wound up getting almost kicked out of Bassett's place for even suggesting it um, a little while ago and now Bassett has decided alright George screw you I'm gonna do this and how does he get back at George <laughs> by doing the one thing that George the one thing that he knows will piss off George the most, which is making Ross a <laughs> Which is, by the way, the bank. definition of petty, because there is nobody less qualified than Ross. <laughs> he just hates George that much. Oh, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's just like Bassett going, uh -huh, I'm glad that right, they fine. cut that scene out, because, you know, after like 50 minutes of this plot line about banking what you don't want is the actual turning point to be shown no let's let's cut that out like let's have that happen off screen <laughs> yeah yeah they you know they do still have this the dramatic scene where where ross walks into this meeting um and then you know he explains the situation to demelza as they're walking on the beach the opposite of a drama like you show you do not tell us after the fact so that's another episode of the Viking Cruises Darlene Shively Butcher Block sponsored by Farmers Insurance. We are farmers. That's funny. I was already confused watching the original episode, but now I think I would have been even more confused. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And as I was watching, as I was watching it, I was remembering, you know, your comments about how confused you were over this banking uh, storyline and thinking to myself god if if we'd seen this version it, it would be ridiculous i swear <laughs> to god i only know this storyline because a i read the <sighs> books and then b i had to explain it to delonda so oh. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly tell us if y'all were as confused af about this banking situation um, let us know on all of the various different uh, ways that you can contact us and Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook. And... On the plus side, if you were confused about the storyline, don't worry, it literally never gets mentioned ever again. <laughs> That's how you know it was important. That is true. That is true. Unless we hear more about it in uh, Series 5. Because I... I think it's referenced a couple times, or at least the the bank's existence is referenced um, a couple times uh, in the future books. But um, you know, its importance has has been it's done. You know, the the point has Let's been never made, think about this again. And we really don't have to get into too much about it in the future. So anyhow, guess what? It's time for people. Paul Doc News! Paul Doc News!
Okay, first up, there's <laughs> Kyle Sullen News. He was recently nominated for Best Actor at the Evening Standard Theatre Awards for his work in The Inheritance, which is a play loosely based on Howard's End, but examines love between gay men in contemporary New York, a generation after the AIDS epidemic. Kind of like millennial Howard's End. I've been dying to see this play, but it was sold out in its run at the Old Vic, it's transferring over to the Noel Coward Theatre, so hopefully I can catch it. It's actually a play of two parts, and each part is over three hours long. What? So I'll need to, like, block out an entire weekend to see this, lol. <laughs> Congrats, Kyle, and R.I.P. Francis. Uh, yes. Bravo. Oh my gosh. He, uh, oh my god, I would love to see this. He is such an incredible actor. Um, I still remember uh, the the turn that he gave in uh, Silent Witness. Uh, I can't remember what season it was because, you know, there there have been 87, 11 billion of them. Um, not throwing shade at the show. Love me some Silent Witness. Um, but uh, he was on a couple of episodes of Silent Witness and he was phenomenal uh, in his characterization of this sociopath really um and i just know that he would basically take this this role and just burn it to the ground <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy he's getting so much success as well i'm like my little kyle you deserve the world <sighs> okay this bit of news is for all you who fans <sighs> yes all two of you <laughs> Uh, Josh Whitehouse has just got cast as the male lead of the Game of Thrones prequel, which is also a show that basically has turned into fanfic at this point. So we're all very happy for him. Well done. Make that money, boy. Oh, oh I bet I know who he's going to play. Don't be sure, Bane. I bet he is going to play not necessarily Sean Bean, but his... Oh, what's his face? His dad? His, his dad. <gasps> yeah. They look similar. That would be good. Okay. Yep. Okay. I bet, I bet that that's what he's going to do. So, anyhow. Yay, Josh Whitehouse. No one at us by, like, you're ruining the show with us. Really. <laughs> um, it, we also got some fun quotes from Aidan Turner on the issue of his objectification on the Poldark show. Turner said, it seems like there is a double standard. Yeah, it does seem that way, <laughs> but I, I try not to get involved in that debate. Looks like you kind of did, Aidan. <laughs> he then added, I've never felt objectified. I think sometimes other people want to feel that for you, which can be a little strange. These photographs were stills from the show, so in context, it, it makes sense. When you pull them out and stick a photograph on the front page of a national newspaper, it becomes something very different. We're not doing anything on our show that, I mean, Game of Thrones probably has far more nudity or Vikings or any of these shows more than we would have. So I never quite understood why our show was picked in particular or why these images were concentrated on more so than any other shows or other images of actors who've gone topless for any sex scenes, though. Dude, you weren't doing any sex scenes, which makes it quite unique. You were James Bonding or you were Skyding. Um, so, uh, you know, he's of course right. 
this show is almost PG compared to all these other Sunday night shows in terms of its nudity. So it is really bizarre. But I also think it's kind of naive to claim that Mammoth and the BBC aren't somewhat complicit when it comes to the publicity of this show. They certainly tried to push this whole sexed up image of Poldark. And, you know, fair play to them. It keeps the show on the front cover of newspapers and in the zeitgeist. We all talk about it. Um, But I've always felt like it was a bit silly and undermined the integrity of the show slightly. Because whenever I mention that I like the show, everybody's like, oh, because you fancy Aiden Turner. (laughs) uh... Yeah, it's suddenly not taken seriously as a drama program. I think it could be respected a bit more. And it's been on the air for five years, so I ain't gonna be a hater about it. All this publicity is a good thing. What do you guys think about this? Um, I've always, I mean, I've always thought that it's been kind of silly um, that, um, first of all, that there is so much, you know, we get we get so much within the fandom about, you know, people uh, kind of talking about the you know, stop showing us the, the naked chest Aiden things, you're objectifying him, blah, 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 blah. You know, all that kind of stuff that, that happens with the fandom. Um, when, you know, this is this is the reality of how television programs um, advertise and try, as you said, to keep themselves in the papers and in the zeitgeist. You know, this is this is the game that they play. And Aiden is completely and totally aware of this <laughs> I mean hell anybody that has watched um desperate romantics will know that the man has absolutely no issue in showing his a body which is it's the nice I, one. admittedly kind of nice I, I ain't gonna lie it is um but you know this is this is the game this played and you know, for folks to be screeching and hollering about uh, about this, you know, f- fine, go f- go for it. But yeah, I agree. I th- I think that um, Poldark has aired on one of the major BBC channels, and also when we saw that many photos of Aiden on the national newspapers, it came at a time when everybody was speculating that he was going to be the new. Um, James Bond and uh, also I personally am probably one of the few people on this earth that don't watch Game of Thrones but we all know that it is much more explicit (laughs) yeah and I think Outlander is much more explicit than Poldark even though it's been the two shows have been compared so many times Yeah, um, on, I really the point that you made about uh, the fact that this show um, is not taken as seriously as uh, the drama program that it should be, um, you you hit that right on the head. Um, this show, despite all of our um, <laughs> bitching, snarking, shading, you know, etc. This has been a tremendous series uh, for BBC and Mammoth. 
Um, it is a fantastic uh, drama program, although the first season was best by far, in my opinion. Got a BAFTA nomination, I'm just saying. Uh, honestly. Um, so we'll see We'll see whether or not we get the same level of um, uh, Half-Naked Aiden in Series 5. But I still think it's weird. But because I... Do you guys watch Peaky Blinders? Like, how many times have we seen Killian Murphy's butt? But, like... Oh, I know! I've never seen him on the newspaper! I know! We don't. It's just him. Just Aiden. So, anyway. <sighs> well, on that very interesting note, <laughs> that is all from us in this week's podcast. But we will be back in two weeks uh, revisiting episode 7 and 8 of season 4. If you are re-watching the episodes in the US or just watching them for the first time and want to get involved with our conversation, then email us at pauldarkfancast at gmail.com. New mail! New email alert! Don't forget! And, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at pauldarkfancast. But by far the easiest option is to go to our Tumblr page and go to the Ask box. Please rate and review us on iTunes because we need those five stars. Until next time, bye-bye!